Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Toddcast Podcast. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and at toddhancock.ca. Sorry about that. We're only a half hour late. All good, man. Yeah, don't worry about that. Not at all, Corey. Give me a break, buddy. I completely forgot. Like, I, I don't know. I was sitting here and I was like looking at stuff and I was eating and I was like, oh, shit. When you I, feel like, I feel like I should be doing something here. Right? One of those. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, we have Corey uh, Hirsch on the podcast now. Of course, uh, longtime NHL goaltender. Played with the Vancouver Canucks from 95 through, uh, was it 99? You were there for four seasons, right? Uh, yeah, I was there for, yeah, 95 to 99. Yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, born in uh, Medicine Hat, and, and I actually had uncles uh, that lived there when I was a little kid. But, but did you did you live there as a kid? Because I know you played for the Blazers, Kamloops for junior hockey. But where did you grow up then? I lived there for uh, two years, like till I was two years old, and then my my dad got transferred to Calgary in a job. Oh. So we ended up moving there. We ended up so I grew up in Calgary, and then when I was sixteen, I left. Um, I left and I went to um, Kamloops mm. your hockey. So yeah, okay. I grew up, I played all my minor hockey in Calgary, uh, grew up there, went to school there, everything. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, no, I was just born there and I've always had family ties there. So and what, what was it like growing up in, in, in Calgary, right? Like in summer, it's the hottest sin. It's like freaking cold as hell in the wintertime. Like it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a hockey city. It, it really is. It's a it's a huge hockey city. Um, Calgary is uh, it, it's a beautiful city. It's big, obviously. Uh, growing up there, I didn't grow up in the best area, so mm. my memories aren't um, are the best of Calgary. You know, when you're you're walking home from school and you're you're but two two kids from school that are supposed to be your buddies jump you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you're only in sixth grade or fifth grade, right? So it's not really a fight. It's like, but yeah, yeah grew, up, right. grew up in a little bit of a rough neighborhood. But, um, you know, for the most part, the hockey was always good. Um, and that was, yeah. that was uh, uh, really, you know, for me, that was my outlet. That was my, that, that, that's what I did. And, and what is your, like, when you think back to like, you know, little tyke and stuff, like what is the, what is your first hockey memory? Oh, uh, my first hockey memory is probably um you know you they used to give you goalie equipment um mm. they used to give the kids the use that you didn't have to go buy because everyone would try it right and so my first hockey memory is my dad taking me to practice and they had goalie equipment in the corner and um i was so uh uh i couldn't you know i was i, was, I think i was like six or seven years old i wasn't gonna ask the coach i didn't have the the cojones to do that right i mean um <laughs> but my dad was like no you want to be the goalie you go tell the coach you you tell the coach you want that stuff so sure enough i walked over there and 
grabbed the goalie equipment and I never looked back. So that's probably uh, my best memory of, of, you know, when I was just a little guy. That's probably my first memory of hockey. Yeah, yeah. And Corey, do you know if you're still tied for the most wins uh, in WHL history, like 120? No, a kid broke it a few years back, about two years ago. So it stood for a long time, almost 30 years. So that, that's a long, cool. long time. Yeah. And yeah. Like, what stands out from your time, you know, playing in the, in the, in the, in the dub? Well, we won the Memorial Cup in 92. So that, that was a big one. You know, um, what stands out for me is probably the friendships I made, you know, the friendships I've made for life um, that are just, you know, the, we have a bond. We grew up together. Um yeah, yeah, I haven't been back there much, but Camus was a great place to uh, play. They, they, they did a nice job turning us into young men. You know, they made sure we went to school. There was no, there was no messing around. Like Camus was very, um, it was a great place to play. It was a great place to play junior hockey, and and there's a reason that they have all those records and all those wins and all, the years that I played and, and years prior because they they did a great job. The organization was good people. Mm-hmm. You still hang out with some of the boys. I still talk to him every once in a while. Uh, Daryl Sador, I'll talk to every once in a while. Um, you know, not a lot. It's like those uh, those old high school friends that you know everyone moves away. But yeah, you know, if you ever got together with them, you, you only hear from them once a year. But it's like they never left, right? You know, that's that's kind of what it's like. So yeah, uh, yeah we're well, those are the good friends, right? Like yeah. those are the ones that you know truly are your buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the, it's like your yeah, the, it's like going to. I mean, it was between the ages of 16 and 20. So it's like college and high school, right? So those are, yeah, those are your boys. Those are the guys you hang out with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk a bit about the the 94 uh, Winter Olympics where you played like every game for Team Canada. You almost snuck out the gold, but got the silver and the shootout loss. Now, so what what is said in, in the locker room in a big game like that? Like, and, and who's saying? Is, is it the coach? Is it the captain? Like, what's said after a game like that? Yeah, you know, after a game like that, I mean, I can't really re- remember. There was a lot of media and there was a lot of, but at that point, you know, like we weren't supposed to medal. So we weren't even, we, you know, like they had a slated not even to win. Mm. So um, for us to get a, a, to come home with a medal was pretty cool, right? I mean, I know it's not gold, but um, the fact that you have one or I have one and then that, you know, there's only so many people in the world that, you know, it's a pretty, pretty special thing. So uh, when you look back and, and you think about it, um, you know, pretty, pretty special moment to be able to have that, that silver medal and, and have an Olympic medal at all. At all, dude, especially considering like you're saying, like they, they weren't even expecting you to get anything. That's no. Really and it, amazing. Yeah. People train for four years for 30 seconds to get an Olympic medal. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's really cool to have one. Yeah. Yeah. And how old would you say then, Corey, that you were when you realized like, maybe I, I, maybe I can go all the way. Like I, I can make it to the NHL. Uh, probably really started recognizing when I was about 14, 13 or 14. Um, you're just so much better than everybody else. Um, yeah. and that's, that's not being, you know, bragging or, or being arrogant. It's just, it is what it is. Like, it is what it is. Like, like people like- just couldn't score on you. Yeah, like Connor Bedard. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't as good as Connor Bedard, but like, yeah. I mean, they just you you dominated every level, right? And um, so yeah, yeah, you have you have a pretty good idea. Um, you know, I would say, you know, ninety percent of the NHL, those guys were the best players in their league, on their teams, in their cities, right? I mean, that's they they were just always that talented. And there are some, you know, there's a lot that don't get drafted that are are still good players. 
um, you know, that, that bloom a little later, but for the most part, you know, it, it, it's typically the kids that are, are, they're the ones that dominate, you know, are going to have the opportunity to, and then a lot of things have to happen along the line, right? I mean, coaches have to like you, you have to get on good teams, you have to have good players around you. Like there's so much that has to happen yeah. uh, to be able to play in the NHL. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm, but you knew fairly early, like 13 is pretty, 13, 14, that's pretty early. Yeah. You wouldn't say it's the NHL. You knew you were going to play. But you know you're, yeah. But you know you're good. Yeah. yeah. You, you yeah. know you're, you know you're, you're good. You know you're, you're better than, you know, most every, yeah, you're, because you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're going to summer camps, you're getting invited to junior camps, you're getting invited. Like, so yeah, you have a, you have a good idea of, of, you know, like, um, your level anyways, or the opportunity. And then it's uh, after that, it's probably better that you don't know what's happening to you. Right. Like, cause you just get kind of shot out of a cannon into, into uh, the professional sports world. Yeah. And of course you get the taste of that too. In, in 92, you play four games uh, with the Rangers and it's back to the AHL. Yeah. And then, so maybe talk about the the drive and determination that's needed to kind of get back to the NHL. And you, you, when you're, when you're back, you're, you're back with the Canucks. It's in 95. Like, yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's interesting because the minors is um, the minors is a great, it's a great league. Like they're great, they're really good leagues, but it's not the NHL. The NHL, it's like it's electric, right? Buildings, yeah. the lights, and everything. Whereas the minors, it's just kind of like um, it can be a little depressing to get sent down, right? Because everybody wants to be in the NHL, and um, so you really have to monitor your emotions and and really keep things in check that way because it's it's a difficult thing, but. You know, um, as far as like, you know, uh, getting drafted by the New York Rangers was, you knew you weren't ever going to play for the Rangers unless you were an elite, elite player, because back then there was no salary cap. They would just go by who they wanted. Right. Sure. So I got stuck behind Glenn Healy and Mike Richter, and that's what forced the trade to Vancouver. So yeah, it worked out for me. You know, I ended up in Vancouver, had some, had some pretty good games and, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. And I still live here today. Oh, you, you're in Van. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And of course, like your, your first couple of seasons with the team, like in 95, 96, like you played equally and basically splitting the season with Kirk McLean, right? Like, yeah, pretty yeah. impressive. And, and I'm looking at the stats. In fact, you even led Kirk, uh, for wins in 95. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk, um, Kirk was, how he had, he had a bit of a tough year. Um, you know, but here's the interesting say, like I was, I, I was, uh, you know, this is the thing about mental health is that, you'd have never known. Like I was uh, every day was a struggle to get to the rink, you know, like, but you know, on the ice I played well, it was kind of my sanctuary, you know, it was my place that, um, that I, uh, I kind of was my safe space. Um, and I, you know, and I, and I played pretty well, that, you know, that's what the message that I get out to people out there is like, I, I was not well, and I still made the NHL. So, you know, when you're out there telling people that they're weak because they have mental health issues, you know, I'm going to smack you in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. um makes no you know there's no there's no mentally weak some of the m- mentally uh, strongest people i know are the people that suffer the most well the ones that uh smile through are the ones that are, are generally the ones that are you know some hiding something you know yeah you those, those are the ones that scare me a little bit right the ones you, you can't tell yeah yeah of course like that's you know that's another angle and one of the another reason why i wanted to have you on the podcast is get, to get that angle of like the being an outspoken advocate for you know uh mental health awareness and ending the stigma and all that and you, when you get into your book you really dig into into your own life and uh like what what was that like writing that book and 
like basically you're opening your soul for for people to read right yeah yeah um you know what the book was interesting because i had a writer write it and then i didn't think he really kind of got the essence of it so then i rewrote it a lot of the chapters but he was he gave me the base of the book right which was great yeah. but then i ran in and i wrote rewrote a lot of the chapters and then i had a buddy of mine the guy who wrote the players tribune article he went in and and he he just he's a professional writer right he just he makes it come alive so um did a, did a fantastic job uh, of that in the book um but as far as like writing it like i still haven't read the book i'll never read it you know i'll never read the finished product um i have no interest in reading the i have no interest in reading the finished product i i, I lived it right um and it's it's behind me um and it's i'm proud of it writing the book and i'm proud that it that it helps other people but there's no need for me to go back there right i mean i move forward and um a lot of that is is a lot of my pain and a lot of my darkness and you know and i i'd rather look at the product today you know and and um so i i probably don't see myself ever ever reading it i have no interest to be honest yeah fair enough and is that something that you'd like maybe write another book not maybe not necessarily about mental health awareness but like would you write another book or is that like <laughs> is I, yeah that's not happening well because uh, i mean i'll be honest like since i wrote the book like things have even changed even more right like so it's like it's it's a never-ending it's a never-ending battle but it's you know there's so that there might there might be another book i mean I, i've gone to to um work with ayahuasca i've gone to work with plant medicine psilocybin um all those things that um you know and they're they're quite powerful um so you know um plant medicine is 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 something that I'm, I'm interested in i still believe in the traditional route too i believe there's a place for both mm -hmm. um you know but there's there's other natural options that that i think can help too that that are um you know like a lot of guys military ptsd are saying you know psilocybin's been life-saving for them um like microdosing yeah. or like no uh, like you can just go like you do the ceremony all that but okay. i i you know for anybody out there listening I'm, I'm not promoting or recommending anybody do that you know like you got to be very careful of where you go um and it's not a cure it's just another method of, of help and it's uh you know and um you know there's lots of different different routes out there so uh like i say you know the, the biggest thing is, is is for something like that um you know it's it's a personal journey um and you got to really know what you're doing and where you're going um but um you know it, it's helped some people uh traditional route has helped a lot of people so both have a place in my world yeah you gotta think your podcast is helping a lot of people too blindsided yeah yeah it's um it, it's been very powerful very powerful it, um it's um you know it's a it's a it can be a tough listen sometimes there's a lot of a lot of uh struggle and a lot of pain with with the people that we interviewed but the stories are incredible and how the resilience at the end of it how they come through it um you know a better person has been that that's what makes it all worth it yeah totally right yeah yeah uh, Corey, I'm going to get to some uh, fan questions here in just yeah. a second. Uh, uh, my oldest, James, wanted to ask wanted to ask you a question. We'll start it off with his, I guess. He, okay. he wants to know, did you have any superstitions when you played the game? Did I have any superstitions? Um, yeah, I usually put my left, everything on on my left, mm. my left side. 
So I did, I did that. Um, was that like for, from as a little kid? You just yeah, I, just everything I, I put on my left side. Yeah, but I didn't have too many, too many rituals or or anything like that. Um, I was too busy in my own head trying to figure out what was going on there. <laughs> rituals, to be honest. Yeah, uh, there were some guys like Cliff Ronning was very superstitious. Um, you know, couldn't have black tape. You know, black blades or whatever on his skates like he could not have anything black it was uh he was very superstitious parked in the same spot all the time mm. Yeah. Mm. uh brad wants to know what what do you, what still stands out from uh the day you were drafted to the rangers oh man um i think it was more relief than anything um you know because i got passed over the year before so you don't really know if you're going to get drafted, right? The next year, it used to be different. Um, the draft used to be different. When you were 17, you could only get drafted in the first three rounds. Um, so I got passed over. And then the next year, you really don't know because now you're in, you're on, now you're in a pool of a lot of different players. Uh, I ended up getting drafted in the eighth round by the New York Rangers. And um it's pretty cool. I, I remember I was working at a car wash. I was watching, I was washing, I had a car dealership washing cars mm. <laughs> and uh, they brought me a cake and everything, but it was more relief than anything when you get drafted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Rob goes, what NHL city other than Vancouver did he enjoy visiting and which city has the best food? Oh my goodness. Well, there's no question that Chicago has the best food. Mm. However, there is no city like New York City. There is no there is no building like Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden is the best building in the world. It's um, uh, it's magical. And uh, if you ever get to see an event there, I always tell people you got to go because it is absolute magic. It's such a great building. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of Chris's here for you. Chris uh, Allen wants to know what's the one thing Corey would recommend to anybody struggling with mental health. Uh, first things first, go see your doctor, um, you know, and, and tell them what's going on. Uh, they've heard it all. They've seen it all. Uh, that's your first step. That's your first place you go. And, um, don't be afraid to, uh, tell your doctor what's going on. Um, your brain's going to make you a prisoner. It's going to make you try to not get help. Um, and because it wants you to stay sick, right? That's that's what your brain does. So the best thing you can do is go see your family doctor and not listen to the BS your brain is telling you. Um, and you know, from there, it'll give you a referral to psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, whatever you need to to do. But ultimately, the work's up up to you, right? If you want to go and stay on your meds and you want to, um, you know, do the mental health work and the therapy and all that stuff. Um, yeah, then then ultimately, you know, you got to be your own savior. But you know, the help is there. Uh, go see your family doctor. Take that first step. Take that first step, man. Um, Doctors have heard it; they've seen it all. I've got some doctor friends. Uh, they have some of the most uh, heinous stories I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> so they've seen it all. You know, they've right. uh, yeah, they've got. Uh, it's pretty good. So. All right, uh, Chris Emmett. He 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 said he'd like to know what are your thoughts when the Canucks signed Messier? Oh, so I know Messier is an enemy number one in Vancouver, but see, I played with him in New York, right? So I played with him in the Rangers. So he went, I saw what he did. I mean, he won a Stanley Cup in New York. It was one of the most incredible 
things an athlete's ever done in New York history, right? So I was with them there. So when when they traded for him, I mean, I I, I like Mark, like he's a a friend of mine, and um, you know, he just he ended up enemy number one because probably um, he was getting older. He didn't have he had a lot of miles on his body, uh, and he wasn't as good as he was, right? But here's the thing that people don't understand: he signed a big contract um, back in. Uh, he signed, I think. 18 million here to come to Vancouver and everybody expected, you know, 20 year old Mark Messier. Right. But what happened to those guys was, is in the eighties, those guys never made any money. They made $60,000 right in the eighties, winning all those cups for the Oilers. So, you know, eventually they want to get paid and, and mess mess earned it. I mean, how many Stanley cups he had. Um, and that's the other side too, is always like, it's funny because people are like, Oh, that player makes too much money, blah, blah, blah. And they, you know, they'll bitch about him and all this stuff. But if they put that money in that contract in front of you, what are you going to say? You're going to say, no, I'm not worth that. Right. You know, where do I sign and how fast do I sign it? Right. You're so, worth what they're willing to pay, man. Never blame the player. Never blame the player with, for what, uh, uh, you know, what the market bears or whatever, because we would all sign the same deal if it was put in front of us. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Corey, uh, I'll, I'll steal a, a few minutes more of your time. We'll get it yeah. outside of hockey if that's cool. I'm curious, what are you, what are you binge watching lately? Like what are the TV shows, Netflix, Disney, like what are the things you can't you know stop? What I, you know what I binge watch is world series of poker. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on youtube i've been watching like 2008 2009 2010 that's yeah. uh that's my extent of been watching i don't i don't watch a lot of tv um but yeah i if i do right now it's it's usually well it was nfl football you know i'll yep. throw in the canucks game or i'll binge watch poker stars <laughs> mm-hmm. and, <laughs> so i had a better answer for you <laughs> no, not at all. Are you are you a big fan of all the superhero movies that are being made? Like, were you a comic have, book kid as yeah. a growing up? No, I've never been a comic book guy. Never been a, any of that. Never, never was really into that. I'm always, I was all about sports. Like, I was all about sports. Like, I still today, um, yeah. you know, like it's fascinating. I'll get into a conversation where there's three people talking about insurance, and I, I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to add. Yeah. yeah. As soon as the word hockey comes up, or baseball, or football, or golf, like. I'm all over it. Like, a like I got, I got something for that. It's what I know. Right. It's what yeah, I know. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Which superpower would you want to have? If you could oh, have easily invisibility. Yeah. yeah. Fly oh, on the wall. You're not invisible anywhere. How yeah. awesome would that be? That would be pretty amazing. <laughs> but then I probably wouldn't want to hear what the coaches were saying about me in there in the coach's office after I played with invisibility. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. They're pretty, I mean, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, you know, spider webs would be pretty cool too. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, bullet speed would be great and teleportation would be awesome. And there's vision would be illegal. Sure. Be right. <laughs> totally right. Uh, Corey, what was the music like in the Hirsch house as a kid growing up? What are your, what are your parents oh, playing? Oh my God. Elvis, Elvis Presley. Mm. That's yeah. My, my, uh, my family. Um, yeah. Big Elvis fans. My mom, big Elvis fan. Um, and then probably a lot of like sixties, I don't know if like you can call it rock back then, but my dad had like some sort of sixties kind of, you know, uh, all that stuff. We used to have to listen to it in the car on repeat mm. and I'd be begging for him to change the channel. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> but yeah, that that's, that's what I remember most probably Elvis. I mean, okay. the man is still a legend. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was the first concert that you went to? Oh, I love this question. 
my mom took me to Tina Turner beyond Thunderdome. Okay. Um, so I saw Tina and then, then two nights later I went and saw kiss with my brother, no makeup. They had taken their makeup off. So I said, that's that. I saw kiss. And then I saw them. I saw kiss on their, uh, on their last world tour in 1996. And then I saw them on the end of the road tour in 2006. And then I saw them again in 2004. They just kept saying they were just retiring. And they going. just don't. Yeah. They're they like, no. Yeah. Well, um, didn't, they, didn't they like wrap shit up now? And like, there's like yeah. avatars or something like it's like, right. what's going yeah. on guys. Come right. on. They're, they're coming back. You know, they are. They're coming uh, back. Best concert I ever went to was Prince though. Uh, Prince. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a GM place back then. I didn't want to go. Um, and my buddy had tickets. He used to do all the negotiating for the concerts for um, it was GM Place at the time. And I was like, Prince, he was a symbol. Remember, he changed his name to this. And I was like, Right. The artist uh, formerly known as. That's yeah. just the stupid. I don't want to go see this guy. And I went anyways. And my chin was on the floor the whole time and how talented he was. It was ridiculous. Crushing show. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was yeah. played every instrument better than anybody you've ever heard. You know, yeah. the drum, piano, guitar. Yeah. whatever it was he, he he's that it. annoying musician you know oh. if you're if you also players like fuck this guy plays everything and like this better than so everybody good. yeah and, and you can never be that good right like you could never yeah. be that level yeah yeah all right Corey, a couple more uh and then i'll i'll let you go here um this isn't necessarily a question more of like a a, a near-death story where you were like holy shit i could have just died there oh oh yeah easily um I was in Romania uh, and I was getting a ride to the airport. And if you've ever been in Europe, they don't, they don't have lanes. Like they just don't follow the rules. So we were on a, we were on a uh, kind of on a, a mountain road and um, we were going around a corner and we were on the inside of the mountain on the other side was cliff and it was only two lanes. Some guy tried to pass the bus that was coming our way. Um, and, I don't know how it was on the corner. Like it was a blind. I don't know how, but there must've been a millimeter of space between us and the mountain. When the driver pulled over, the bus almost went over the side of the cliff and nothing happened. And I just sat there and went, Holy shit. I should be dead right now. Well, like it was like, and how old were you for this? I was 20. No, I was, I was doing a goodwill thing for hockey Canada. I was think I was in my thirties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. Just you're like wow you know i'm sure there's been other times where i didn't even know oh you know? for sure yeah yeah Mo most guys have near-death stories yeah well, most, most girls do too most people yeah. do yeah yeah I'd all right last one this one could be the hardest it could be the easiest can you pick and nail it down to just one career highlight or is it too hard one career highlight um yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can probably, um, for uh, one career, one career highlight. Um, it's got to be the Forsberg goal. It's got to be, yeah, because it, um, it, you know, even though it was a goal against me, it's still relevant in history today. Um, they call it the Forsberg, right? Uh, it gave me a, a household name it gave me the ability to do what i do today right which is talk about mental health so i would have to say that's probably you know the greatest moment in sports history for me mm -hmm. uh even though it was a goal against me i'd have to say that that's that's probably it that um 
what else? Where, where would you yeah. put Forsberg, by the way, and like you know the, the guys you played against? He's top ten, easy, huh? He's yeah, like with the guys I played against. Well, I mean, he's there was. I mean, I played against a lot, Mario Gretzky, all those guys. But he yeah. he's de- he was definitely a, a worthy of a Hall of Fame. Um, he was a lot tougher than people think. I just remember, like at that time in like the mid '90s when you were with the with the Canucks and like the Avalanche would just fucking tear through us, like it was hot knife through butter. Like they were just decimating us. Yeah, Marsh and Sackick and like Adam Foote and all those guys. Like they just were killers, man. They had a guy named uh, Hayduke that Milan Hayduke. Yeah, that was a really good player. That that. You know, Claude, they had Claude Lemieux, they had Sackick, they had Deadmarsh, they had, yeah. you know, on the back end, they had Ozilinch, and then they had Patrick Waugh in net. Right. We all remember, we all, when the day Patrick got traded, we were all like, it was the only thing that Colorado was missing was a goalie. Uh, that was it. And uh, once, once Patrick got traded there, the rest of the league was fighting for second place. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Corey, thank you, man, for doing this uh, with us tonight. You are yeah. uh, easy to find online. Uh, Corey Hirsch seventy two on Instagram. You're yep. Corey Hirsch on Twitter. Yep. There, is there a website you want people yep. to go check it's out? CoreyHirsch dot com. dot com. All the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got my book out. Saved my life. Uh, you know, they do public speaking. So um, a lot of that's going on. And yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's been it's been great. I appreciate the interview. Thank you. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Find us at Toddcast Podcast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.